the, the, the underlying theme was Portsmouth is dead. The steel plant's never coming back. The shoe factories are never coming back. Our tax base is shot. What are we going to do? They, and I don't think they saw a way out. I think they quit appreciating the finer things about Portsmouth. What's up, Legends? On this episode of the podcast, I spoke with Rob Black about the Bony Fiddle Project, a nonprofit he started alongside his wife, Julia. Their goal has always been simple, spark economic growth of Portsmouth Historic District with the power of the arts. And from their very first event to now, Rob's seen the local economy come alive alongside Final Friday and Bony Fiddle, which Rob notes attracts 500 people in lawn chairs on a bad day. Rob's an ally of the local community, both in his efforts with Bony Fiddle and the support he shows to all the other talented people that are invested in moving Portsmouth forward. And I'm excited for you to hear his story. Uh, from Rob's perspective and what I'm seeing in the community at large, it's clear that our city is writing a new narrative of hope for the future. And if you take time to talk to people like Rob and Julia, you'll realize that there's plenty of opportunity for more people to start their success story here. And of course, every episode of the Local Legends podcast is made possible by Glockner Enterprises. They're a huge part of the good things that are happening here in Portsmouth. So if you or anyone you know is ready to make a vehicle purchase, just visit glockner.com to get started. Enjoy the episode. back to the local legends podcast this is episode 38 and i'm in the glockner speakeasy with rob black how are you hi i'm good man awesome thanks so much for joining me today thanks. we're going to talk about the bony field project uh, which has been quite quite the process for you um, but let's uh, let's just start with who you are what you do uh my name's rob black i'm married to one of the most wonderful people in the world julia black we both uh Founded the Bony Fiddle Project, which is a 501c3 nonprofit uh, with a mission of uh, of being a, an economic stimulator to the historic downtown, uh, the Bony Fiddle District, uh, using the arts. Mm. And uh, so that's what we've been doing now for the past seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah Robin, we were talking just before this about how the arts is often the uh, spark that lights the flame of uh, of a renaissance in, a, in an area of economic development. I guess with your background, did you have a background in the arts yourself before you started the Bony Fiddle Project? Uh, well, interestingly enough, in uh, 2014, Gail Valentine, who was a, a Facebook friend of mine, put mm-hmm. on Facebook that she uh, she wished someone would write a song about Bony Fiddle. And... Uh, before I moved to Portsmouth uh, 13 years ago, I uh, not only was a businessman, but uh, but was a songwriter, mm. still am, and had some songs published. And and uh, I thought, you know, since I've been here, I've really paid attention to the good things in Portsmouth, what I refer to as the gems. And uh, so uh, I wrote the song uh, called Bony Fiddle, Bony Fiddle. Um, it's on the uh, CD, the uh, Welcome to P-Town CD. Uh, Yeah, I've always been involved in the arts, but not to the extent that I am now. Mm. Uh, Julia and I would travel to Huntington, Columbus, Lexington, wherever to to go to concerts and, and, uh, uh, and, and listen to original music and musicians. And we just kind of build up a, a, a database of really great talent. And that's what we did when we moved here. Uh, we started to, you know, forming relationships with uh, the, the uh, Poverty String Band, mm-hmm. with uh, Jeff Valentine, uh, uh, 
uh, and his band, and uh, Andy Russell, who's a local singer-songwriter. Uh, and so we f- had formed those relationships and listened to the music and got to know each other. And so when this whole thing happened, that we put together the, the ultimately put together the Welcome to P-Town CD, all of these people factored into it. Mm-hmm. All of them came to play, all of them submitted songs. Uh, and uh, that's what enabled us to actually, the profits from that were enabled us to form the, the nonprofit. So it was kind of uh, an interesting process getting that done. The thought, imp- the thought was that we wanted to demonstrate how we could do something positive for our community starting from zero with nothing, okay, mm. with an idea. Yeah. Okay. Idea turned into a song. Song turned into a compilation of a CD. Uh, you know, CD led to CD number two, Welcome Back P-Town. And, and so th- all this went into funding the Final Friday and Boney Fiddle concert series, which, by the way, we didn't put on the first concert. Mm. The first concert was put on by Charlie Haskins and Gail Valentine. Uh, I, I did perform in that, which I don't do very often. But I also emceed it. Uh, so I was the one that got up the stage and introduced the people and, That's and cool. stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah. So Charlie's been a heart of the movement as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was. There. He's he remained was, an important piece of what you do in the art that you kind of curate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, talk to me a little bit, Rob, about the state of the historic district when you started Bony Fiddle, when it was just kind of an idea, and you're wanting to start this thing from scratch. What did the historic district um, look like? What was the the energy that you were getting from local well, let's people? Let's talk here? about Portsmouth in general. Yeah. You know, the first question I would get from people was, why in the heck did you move to Portsmouth? And I would say... Like a death sentence. <laughs> yeah. Why would you move here? And I would say, for economic opportunity. And they would go, you are weird, man. I don't, you know, they wouldn't even believe me. But it was true. And, uh, and so uh, the state of the Boney Fiddle District, um, you could reach down on the ground and pick up half the buildings brick by brick that had fallen down. Um, there was not much going on. There was uh, the Boney Fiddle Arts Consortium, which was in now Patties and Pints, uh, had gone out of business. They had gone out. Uh, there was no development going on. Um, the, the, the Sean Bowman had yet to invest in what would become the Boney Fiddle Pie Factory building at the time. Uh, uh, the uh, chocolate shop had gone out because uh, 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 what's what's Vetter's first name? What was her first name? Mm, I'm not sure. She was very active around here, but she passed away, mm. and they closed that down. There was really not much going on down here. It sure. was very negative, um, and there was no desire to change it. Okay. As a matter of fact, I think people were afraid of change. I can remember uh, going down to where we put on our concerts at a little field on uh, the 500 block of of 2nd Street and setting up a stage. I would take the day off, and and, uh, I was working full-time at the time. I'd take the day off, and we would uh, go down to Wagner Brothers and get a a 16-foot car trailer, and we'd tow it down, and we'd make a stage out of it. And we'd take the whole day setting up. And there was many times that there were merchants who would come over and they would say, we don't want you here. But then there was 60% of the merchants who got the salt. You know, they got it. And, and so they wanted us to keep doing what we were doing. They'd keep their doors open at night uh, for people to use the bathroom. It was just very, you know, a grassroots thing. We got maybe 50 people at our first concert. Mm. Um, so uh, it was bleak I, I, I would just refer to it as bleak uh, Pack Rats which was where Haskins house is now uh, Gail Valentine she had a little hot bed going there and they mm. had they had local artists uh, singer songwriters coming in uh, that was a cool thing um, there was no happy pot 
Obviously, no pies and pints, obviously. No, none of that. Yeah. None of it. Uh, and, and I don't think there was any investment plan. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had been, we were in our second year of concerts when this building was virtually almost destroyed by fire along with the buildings on either side of it. Mm. And, uh, and so... Uh, we're we're standing down uh, doing a concert on our field as a benefit concert for the people who were displaced in the fire here, and uh, ended up raising about twelve hundred bucks, some clothing, supplies, and stuff like that. But uh, that's how bleak it was. Mm. I think we'd reached rock bottom. Sure. Sure, and as far as like the the general mood of the community, it didn't seem like any anyone, anyone really thought that it could develop beyond that point or kind of bounce back. The 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 underlying theme was Portsmouth is dead. The steel plants never coming back. The shoe factories are never coming back. Our tax base is shot. What are we going to do? Mm. They and I don't think they saw a way out. I think they quit appreciation, quit appreciating the finer things about Portsmouth, mm. the things that we were just starting to appreciate. Right. That Julie and I were starting to appreciate. Yeah. And uh, and there's a lot. There's a lot when you stand back and, and when you look at it. You got Alexandria Point. You got the museum. You got the Vern Rice Center. You got the, the the murals on the wall. You've got some great restaurants. You know. You've got. Uh, a lot of, and what appealed to me the most was a lot of musical talent mm. right here, right here in Portsmouth, Ohio. Um, so, um, and not, and not to jump too far ahead of you, Rob, but what I think you're, you're, um, emphasizing is that although we're in kind of a, in a moment of economic hardship, you know, with the opioid crisis, oh, and, yeah. um, everything that had transpired, transpired in Portsmouth the last 20 years, that you identified that the culture was still alive. You could see people like Charlie Haskins making real art, uh, the, like the amazing worker Robert Dafford. That, and ironically, you kind of started backwards instead of getting some kind of big grant or whatever that we were never going to get. You guys started with culture and kind of just reinstilling this belief in people that something could happen here. Yeah, I would add Seymour to that list. I would add uh, mm. you and Nick and Dominique and uh june mm. to that list um some great uh, fundamental basic stuff going on there that was really cool edgy and, and cool uh but yeah it's uh it, it, it's been an interesting road um and today i you know obviously we're in a renaissance today mm. slowed a little bit by covid but but we're still in that renaissance and there's investment taking place what you have today is you have this next generation of investors the ones maybe older than you but younger than me that next generation that want to see their children live here they want to see their they want portsmouth to to be a place where their their children can get a good education and 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 have interesting things to do mm. Um, and uh, and they want them to stay here. Want their grandchildren to stay here. So they're investing money. I mean, it's obvious to see. You know, you've got Jeremy and Maddie Burnside. The investments they're making, along with with uh, Maddie's father. Uh, you know, you've got Dale King making investments. You've got Tim Wolf. You've got a lot of people who are investing. Uh, and uh, and there's just some really cool things that are going on right now. It's 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 uplifting to see. It is it is, and I mean, talk about a full circle moment. I mean, the building that we're in right now, the Glockners lost it in the Great Depression. I mean, this was uh, in bankruptcy, are losing this building, the kind of the the uh, the heart of their business, where their family business started to sh- save the rest of their business. Yeah, and then uh, here we are in. 2021 and they've bought back that same building uh, as part of this renaissance so that's a that is a multi-generational success vision you know it is it is and of course you have to you have to hand it to the glockner family they they've supported uh our work since we've been here and uh and they give back to the community in ways that you don't even know they give back you know and and they're highly appreciated um 
what else was like what else do we want to talk about when you were going around to these other cities and seeing uh the local music talent for those cities seeing the native talent there was it just the phenomenon of like i want to see this happen in my city like i i uh i want them to experience the their own local talents like what how do you start ideating to create bony fiddle well it was kind of selfish because i thought why should i spend money to go see these people when i can pay them to come here (laughs) right okay very pragmatic you know and uh, there was a a a venue in huntington on the south side a friend of mine and out of his home he he uh he had a, a, a venue called porch unplugged and i we julia and i would go there twice a month and that's where we discovered Holly and the Guy. Uh, it's where we discovered the Sugar Beats. Uh, a lot of the entertainment that we ended up bringing to Portsmouth came out of there. Uh, just all singer-songwriters, new, fresh. Uh, and so uh, our thought process was let's bring them here and expose them. We can pay them. If we do it right, we can pay them. Everybody will win. We'll provide a good product for people to come listen to. And, uh, and well, I mean, what, that's a win-win for everybody. Sure. So do you remember the first event, Rob? I do. I do. You're, I, at, you're about um, 30 of your own. I mean, you've been an ally for so many uh, amazing events that have happened here locally. But uh, as far as your own events, you're about 30 in as far as Final Fridays go? Yeah, uh, maybe a few more than that. I have every poster of every event that we've ever done. And I'm, not only do I have every poster of every event, I have autographed by every artist that ever played. Mm. Okay. And so I can go back and, and I, I can bring, you know, all those posters here. We can go through them one at, one at a time, you know, and look at them and go, ooh, and ah. But uh, the first, the very first concert, uh, Rich Moon played at it. Mm. Uh, I, 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 th- I want, while, while we're talking about posters right now, Brooke Moore does all of our posters with the exception of two of them than Michael Vermillion did. But Brooke has this whimsy quality that just caught my eye right off the bat. I love her work. Mm. And she's done virtually every poster that we have backed from the very beginning. The first poster in would have been April of 2015. Uh, initially, we, we went April through September. And then after the first season, we cut that back to May through September. Mm. And I look at this entertainment that we brought in. A lot of it's been world class, and we've been able, we've been able to to raise enough funds annually to bring in regional and national acts too. So we've had some acts that are really that. Uh, well, we brought in Mountain Heart this season. This is a huge act. I mean, there we had people coming from Chicago to see them. Uh, we had people traveling all over come to see Mountain Heart and listen to them. Uh, and they were they were great. Um, we had uh, in a, the year before COVID, we had third time out. That was we had fifteen hundred people there. It was a, our biggest crowd, as opposed to a fifty people at our first concert. Um, Nevada Hart and I, he mowed the lawn, and I went and got the stage, and we set it up, and he had a sound system. He probably did our first five seasons, ran the sound, uh, which is. Uh, at the time, we were kind of, we were mobile, so we could we could either have the concerts on the lot there, the grass lot, which would be right across about across from uh, the Happy Pot, um, or we could shut down a street and move the concerts to the street. Mm. The city would allow us to, to to shut down the streets at four o'clock, not before, and so we would have an hour and a half to set up and have our concert start at five thirty. Uh, which was uh, no easy task. Aggressive. <laughs> it was no easy task. And we played at 9 30, 10 o'clock, and by 11 o'clock, you wouldn't even know we were there. Mm-hmm. We picked up every cigarette butt. Every, you wouldn't even have known that there was anybody there. And uh, so uh, the problem with that became that we were a victim of our own success. In other words, Downtown Bonifiddle got started getting so busy yeah. that we couldn't shut the streets down. Well, you can't do it today. Mm. You know, back then there was parking spaces, empty parking spaces all up and down the street. 
Not anymore. Mm. And there were people, there weren't people shopping at five o'clock in the evening. Not anymore, you know? And so uh, that prompted us to have to make some changes, and we moved to a permanent location, which is now down at Three Bridges, which is at the other end, west end of Second Street. Yeah, be- beautiful location too, man. I mean, it's in the it's in the name, but talk about uh, talk about the name a little bit. Well, and when I think about it, I think about how many places in Portsmouth are you not looking at this massive flood wall or a levee? Mm. How many places in Portsmouth are you closer to the Ohio River instead of further apart from it? And so this venue is within sight of. Now, there is a flood wall there, which was the original flood wall that got breached in 1937. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, But we're in the floodplain, so we, we have a clear view of the river and both bridges and the Second Street Bridge. Mm. And early on, I realized that, look, we just can't call it the outdoor field, <laughs> okay? We have to brand it. We have to create a brand, and then we have to promote and establish. And, and, and uh, it's the same thing I did with the, the actual the Boney Fiddler itself, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and so we branded it Three Bridges, and uh, yeah, we have some high lofty goals if things fall in place for that location too in the future. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, you, you've had uh, hundreds of people at the location at once. I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, we'll get four or 500 people uh, at a mediocre turnout nowadays. Uh, we were able to purchase the building there at 132 second street, which was the Segway building. And, uh, uh, Eugene Rideout had a business in there, uh, renting Segways. And, and it was uh, it was a nice concept, but it didn't work out for him. But uh, but we were able to purchase that building and use it as a staging point for our concerts. Mm. So it became you know my goal throughout this whole thing, knowing I'm not getting any younger and Julia's not getting any younger. Our goal was to simplify the process as best as we could. Mm. Okay, to make it as easy as we could make it, and so that. Uh, helped in that respect we could keep our sound systems there we could you know keep our tables our pop-up tents everything we could and we could we're right there <coughs> excuse me last uh during covid we were able to to put in three bathrooms one indoor mm. with a shower for the committee and then two outdoors that were completely ada compliant and uh so you know, we, we, we had a lot of people who didn't want to, they didn't want to use portalettes, especially the women. So we had a lot of people that didn't come because of the facilities. Sure. And so when you go down there now, we have two beautiful bathrooms. Um, I remember, you know, just trying to think, you try to think of everything that's going to be cool and everything that's going to be needed. And uh, we we actually had Ronnie Williams come in with the Portsmouth Street Art project and uh and they did graffiti on the insides of each of the bathroom doors that's cool which by the way i thought about you when we put those doors in (laughs) because i had a choice between a six foot six door or a seven foot door (laughs) and i thought about you and nick and 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 uh and so we went with the 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 larger door and uh it's very intentional rob i love it (coughs) well it's true and and uh but you know those are just some of the things we keep some we we hang some posters in there and some pictures in the bathroom but when you go in and you close the door it's it's art yeah okay and it's really cool we were going to put the the graffiti on the outside i figured julia said no everybody will be tagging it now you'll have graffiti all over the place (laughs) so now when you open up the door it's a wow factor yeah you know but what it's done is it's enabled people to come that typically wouldn't come mm. uh, because of the bathroom facilities. And, it, you know, if time comes, we need to get portalettes in addition to that. And we're going to have a – we're expecting a major crowd, uh, you know, 2,000 people or more. Then we'll just get portalettes and let the men use the portalettes and the women use the and, – and the handicapped use the other ones. What, what I love, just a uh, quick segue – Rob, while you're telling this story is just uh, all the other 
um, people that you know you you haven't made this just Rob and Julia's black story about uh, starting the Bony Fiddle you know district and final final Fridays. You're you're naming uh, designers and artists oh. and uh, musicians and oh. this the city small businesses like you're really uplifting all these people with you. And I can tell that you're intentional about that. I mean, yeah. it's a, you've made it a collaborative process. Yeah, it has to be. It's it's but, but first off. When we first moved here, nobody trusted us. You know, when you move to a small town and you're 53 years old, <laughs> people are wondering, you know, what's his bag? What's their, what are they doing? And they don't, they don't trust you. That's why I think we got some negative uh, blowback from some of the merchants downtown. How, uh, how, how do you think you overcame that? Was it just with time? Hard work. Or? Hard mm. work and time. How do you change? How do you create a paradigm shift in the way people perceive things? Mm. Uh, how do you change negatives to positives? Um, and, and I think consistency is one. Uh, you have to be inclusive. You have to include everyone. And uh, that's even right down to the, to the welcome uh, to P-Town and welcome back P-Town CDs. These were not about me. I may have a couple songs on there, okay? But these were about them, these people that you see on the cover right here that I'm looking at, right down to Stephen Hunter, who who got a dollar, his foundation got a, the Hope Fund got a do- dollar from each CD, mm. right down to each one of these artists that are that are on this, uh, on this project, these CDs. Uh, it, it's not about me; it's about them, mm. and they knew it. Right, they knew it. I, I, you know, they were a big part of the collaboration of this project and when they came into the studio and were recording it was it was like heaven it was like the coolest thing you know and uh well let, Rob, let me say i mean this relationship building that you've done since you came here and started at zero uh it's an important part of the success of any movement so it just is. for the audience listening can you can you tell us a little bit about uh, that process for you how do you start uh meeting all these different people, these small businesses, other nonprofits, people like Steven's story, um, and how you could tie in his foundation, the album. I guess what was your process for, um, like how do you start to get to know people here? You, you have to earn recognition. Mm. Uh, and again, that comes with time too. I think it's been four years now that there was a meeting called by the Mover shakers, the interested parties, the everyone. It was at uh, ter- uh, Terry Ackerman's down at the lofts in the upstairs room. There, there was probably a hundred people there, nonprofits, business people, the whole thing. And this was when Friends of Portsmouth was was eyeing the, the possibility of becoming a nonprofit, and you know, and it was all discussed and trying to. Uh, figure out you know what's the best way to go about doing it who wanted to be involved how were they going to fund it and uh and i basically told them at the time i said hey you know unite the tribes you know unite the tribes let's 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 all work together let's if we got something going on let's all post it let's all you know support each other right um, and, and that's really where Friends of Portsmouth was born in, at that meeting. Mm. And it's morphed into a really, really cool and productive thing for Portsmouth. I look at people like Bob and Debbie Gamble. Mm. And I look at what they're doing with the Green Lawn Cemetery and Friends of Green, Green Lawn. Absolutely incredible, okay, what they've done out there. Uh, I, you know, I look at Connects, what they're doing. Some really cool stuff. Uh, Main Street Portsmouth, which has been around for quite some time, uh, but you know they've uh, they they do a lot. Mm. Uh, and so there's, I've even noticed that the commissioners are starting to jump jump on board. The Scioto County commissioners are starting to jump on board in funding this new BMX bike bike uh, uh, bump track. Is that what they call right. it? Bump yeah. track. How cool is that? Mm. You know, and then you look at Sean Dunn, uh, and and you know the grants that he's written to get the the, the dog park done, mm. uh, to get the skateboard park, which is going to be done here before too long. Um, 
And yeah, I, I look at that, that, that what the nonprofits are doing and what individuals are doing. They're all taking control of their space. Hmm. I can't control everything, and they can't either. But if you have Julia and I looking out for the, what's outside of the flood wall and three bridges in that area, and you have Dale King over here and what he's doing with, uh, with uh, uh, addiction and, uh, and, 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 and helping people who have addiction and, uh, and, and the CrossFit and everything else, you look at what everybody's doing, it all f- comes together like a piece of the puzzle. Everybody's a piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, it's a cool thing. You know, I, one of the things w- that I wanted to talk about was was one of the songs uh, that I have on the CD. It's called uh, 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 Bessie Lift Your Baby Up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was Drew Fight, who's a professor of history at the university, was uh, was searching for online where the drop pin was for Bessie Tomlin's grave. And if you know the story of Bessie Tomlin, she was, and her unborn child were the only ones to die in the, in the flood of 37. And uh, as legend has it, she was fell out of a lifeboat and lifted the baby up into the boat and then went under because she couldn't swim. When the reality, we were able to find news stories that indicated that the boat had capsized. They were all in the water, mm. Okay. And so when she handled the, handed the baby to Walter Chick, the fireman who ended saving up saving Alberta, uh, he, he was in the water as well and took the baby to safety from there. But w- what it got me thinking about, it got me thinking about, and I had seen videos, these old black and white Super 8 videos of the flood and the people up on their roofs as the water was going by and boats going by and they all had, most of them had on a tie and a white shirt, knowing that when that water went down, okay, that their town was going to be virtually destroyed and the work that was going to take place after that, Mm. the resilience and the spirit of the people that it would take to be able to do that and get through it. And so I started thinking about that in terms of today. It's really no different. You know, you've got the opioid crisis. You've got the loss of industry. You've got all of these things that can be, I don't know if they can be fixed, but they can be replaced. You know, Mm -hmm. they can be, other things can come in its space. And so I wrote the song, Bessie Lift Your Baby Up, which which, uh, Drew asked me to, to, to write. And he put it on the, his website, the Scioto Historic website. And but I ended up, when I put it on the CD, I ended up writing a rap song for it. Mm. And, uh, and the, it was called Bessie's Sequel. And I was able to get Alex uh, uh, Brown. Uh, he was a senior then at Portsmouth High. And a great rap star, one of the most talented people in Portsmouth to this day. And, uh, and he, uh, he arranged it and performed it. But basically it said... Uh, and this was a depiction on the flood wall of this this saving of Alberta, right? Uh, the right. baby. It's a really powerful mural. I mean, very dramatic. It is. It very is. Dramatic. And Alberta's still alive and very much uh, associates with being the baby. She, wow. She identifies with the baby. As a matter of fact, we took the Bony Fiddle Project took our at that time band over uh, to her home on Farley Square and went in and uh, it was around Christmas time about six years ago and played the song for her. Mm. that's powerful Rob that you just uh, made it that personal for you know, I, I would urge anybody who's listening to go to our Final Friday in Bony Fiddle Facebook page and go through the videos everything I'm talking about is there mm. the videos are all there there's videos that have been you know viewed 35,000 times of Rich Moon okay uh, but that video is a special one and it's on there but at any rate the rap song kind of for me, it was a message to Portsmouth, okay? And it was, uh, the story doesn't stop with pictures on the wall. Then was then, now is now, we still have life to draw. We're standing on the corners because we've got no place to go while people drive by in their cars turning up their nose. It doesn't matter who you are, it's where you want to go. So open up the gates and let the water flow. 
P-Town got some work to do to end disparity. That's why we sing this song, to add some clarity, because you can't lift each other up by putting people down. We're all in this together, red, black, white, and brown. We've got to take our city back, no matter how you spin it. The kind of pain we're feeling, no doctor clinic can heal it, really. If all the future holds is minimum wages, I feel sorry for our kids in economic cages. When the very least of us is lifted from the flood, we will rise together, and then life will be good. Mm. And I believe that. I don't. I, I believe it's the, the top... The elite can't be the ones that rise up, and the middle class can't be the only ones that rise up. To be a community and to, and to be a strong city, we've got to lift everybody up, mm. okay? And, and I, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. There's a lot of work still to be done, but we're getting there. Well, and uh, just what you even did with the albums, Rob, just the stories we tell ourselves certainly influence our reality. And so just that you're making that connection between what's happening now and trying to tell stories that are that are uplifting and inform people about yeah. um, the history that we have here and how we've leveraged that and the his, this historic district to write new stories. Yeah. There was a, a, another song on the CD, uh, Zeke Mullins. Now, mm. I don't know, you know, I never knew who Zeke Mullins was until I got here. And I started, I, I discovered who he was and he was a, a, a Hall of Fame disc jockey. Mm. Uh, Acted in uh, a movie, uh, uh, and and a singer songwriter, and there was a song on his, one of his CDs that we put on our CD called Selby Shoe. And there was an old building in our town, no use to anybody, so they tore it down. A hundred years strong and true. Now there's nothing left of Selby Shoe, and that was a lament. That was heartbreaking for me, you know. Uh, and to listen to the whole song, and and uh, I actually put it on the CD, and I sang harmony with him. Mm. But you know, that's the way people felt. You know, it was the, Portsmouth was gone; it was dead. What Julie and I realized from the beginning, because when we when we ran into this Paul that was sitting over the city, we thought, what do we do here? I mean, do we, you know, we could move back to Huntington where we were born and raised. We could go back to Middletown where we raised our family and, or we could change things. Mm. And our thought process was Huntington's not doing any better. They've got the same problems. Ironton, Ashland, same problems. All these river cities have the same issues, same problems. How do you deal with them? Mm. And, uh, so, uh, so that's kind of where, where we came into play with this thing is we figured if we're going to stay here, we don't have any family here. Our children live away. We have a lot of energy. Let's put it into the community, and that's what we've done. Absolutely, Robin. I mean, you guys have uh, accomplished that. And like I said, you're, you're just such an ally to the other people around you that I think people want to see the Bony Fiddle Project win. You know, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a, um important part of just Portsmouth culture at this point. I mean, this it just was, started with action. A lot of it came at us, mm. okay? In, in five years ago, the, the first spark, okay, the first glimmer of hope. Yeah, I want to hear about for, that moment. For Bony for sure. Fiddle, okay, was uh, Ghosts in the Attic. Mm. They got a grant, of, of, it was a 50-50 grant from uh, Main Street Portsmouth to paint the front of their building. Mm. I remember standing out there watching them paint the front of this building going, my God, something positive's happening here. And it looked beautiful. It just looked beautiful. And, you know, Julia and I talked and we thought, this needs to be recognized. If, if, we're, if our mission is to restore pride, okay, this needs to be recognized. And so they were the very first recipient of the Bony Fiddle Beautification Award that we established. Mm. And each month we would give that award to someone different, uh, someone who, you know, painted their place, uh, you know, did gardening, uh, weeded swept the sidewalk, whatever it was. And it became kind of a coveted award. And you would notice, slowly but surely, you would notice people fixing their place up. You, right. you noticed uh, Journey Within. Before they went out of business, she got a grant, fixed up the front of her building. Uh, slowly but surely, to the point where now, Connor, we don't even give the award out anymore. We wouldn't know how to do it. 
We wouldn't know who to give it to. Well, yeah, it's been kind of quite the explosion. Like, uh, even with the pandemic, I mean, people are re- renovating the buildings down here still. You know, uh, like what the Burnsides are doing. I mean, multiple buildings at once. River City Adventure Company, just right across from your Three Bridges location. I mean, it's uh, really inspiring. It's like, at this point, people uh, almost can't seem to remember the the bleak picture you were painting. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. The, the, uh, I am so pleased that they're coming in. Uh, the writing on the wall was that, you know, being a beer carryout wasn't going to last. <laughs> you know, when, the, when South Shore went wet, when uh, West Side started selling, you know, they were doomed. And, uh, but we had been having concerts at Three Bridges for three years. Now, I'm going to go back before that because I remember that area. I scouted that area mm. a lot. People would drive across the bridge, Second Street Bridge, and they would throw their lunch, their papers, their bottles, their cans on that lot where we hold our concerts. And when we started having concerts there, I started mowing that lot, and I'd mow it. I'd keep it mow- beautiful, okay, just beautiful. And we'd uh, and we kept our building beautiful, the whole thing. And what you notice was. Next, you know, a week later, there wasn't all that trash out there. People saw that someone cared and someone had pride in it. And so now I'll go out there and, yeah, there's still papers. You know, there's still things you're going to get that blow around, and I'll pick those up. But you don't see what you saw four mm. years ago, you know, just the trash out the, out the window sort of thing. And I think when that happens, when, when people go out and sweep up their sidewalks, so when they clean their area, do their, you know, clean their glass on their storefronts, whatever they're doing, people notice that and the pride level goes up, you know? And so that, that, that's been a cool thing. It's, it's just you notice kind of human nature and the way people are, you know? Mm, and yeah, you know? and you're like, as an entrepreneur, Rob, you're able to identify metrics like pride that, uh, yeah. that a lot of people overlook, you know, that pride just can't be measured in dollars and cents. You know, it, yeah. uh, there's, there's not a numeric value to it, but it affects, um, our, everything around us, like yes. our, our day to day. Yeah. It's, it, it, it affects you when you wake up in the morning and you take a shower and you put on your clothes, mm. you know, and, uh, do you want to look nice, you know, or do you not care? And are you proud of where you live or is it just a live? place to discard trash? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. But, uh, I think that, that Portsmouth has come a long way in that respect. Uh, um, what do you see for the, the future of this, Rob? I know, I mean, you, you're definitely a dreamer. You have the plans and you've taken action and made things happen. So no one thinks you're, you guys are clearly bluffing at this point. Um, what, what are you excited to see uh, as far as the vision for Bony Fiddle and just all the other people you're allies with? Because I think, I think that's also been a key part of your success that I identify is like you can see like a lot of small town organizations kind of get in their own way because they view everyone else as competition. But uh, this entire episode, you're endorsing all the people that work alongside of oh. you. You know, and you're proud of what they're doing as well. And so, uh, certainly a huge part of your success. Um, but what do you? What's kind of your vision moving forward? Do you have uh, unmet dreams? Um. Yeah, I guess long term, I, I really don't don't think way out in the distance because you know at my age, you're you're want you're thinking three to five, okay? <laughs> you're thinking three to five years, and if I'm lucky to be around in fifteen years to see to see what's happened here, wonderful, you know. Uh, there are some things that are going to have to fall in place uh, uh, for us to be able to put in a permanent stage down at Three Bridges. That's one of our goals and make it a, a music amphitheater mm. and then give it to the city. You know, we've lost, Tracy Park is no longer that place, you mm. know. Uh, you got Spartan Stadium, which, you know, they're trying to do something with Spartan Stadium, but I think there's a struggle there, okay? You can, and you can't just rely on one venue or location in general, right? You've, you know, and you've you seen the place make those or hold space for those things without the city. Yeah. Without the city. What, I, what I'd love to do is see a, uh, three or four small venues around town where we could have a music festival and have four stages going at the same time. 
Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, man. You know, you've already seen with what's happened over the past week with the riverfront down there. You can't rely on that. And the way the weather trends are going, that could be a a continual thing with the river coming up and not being able to use that. Mm. And so, you know, I would like to see three or four different stages and with maybe different types of music, blues, bluegrass, rock, whatever, you know, and then have a main stage. And I've discussed that with friends of Portsmouth as a possible uh, uh, option for uh, River Days, okay? We'll see what happens, but everything's on the table, and there are no bad ideas. <coughs> there's just, you know, sometimes it doesn't get, there's no follow-through with it, but I would like to see the, the, a main stage down there. We're not in a position where we can start applying for grants for it. There are some things that have to fall in place before that happens, and we can only hope and pray that they fall in place, mm. okay, uh, so that we're able to do that. Uh, we have some some people behind us who who support us quite a bit, and, and so it, it's some we, we don't actually own that field, mm. and so our hope is that at some point we'll be able to get ownership and then then start uh, applying for grants and put in a beautiful stage with the backdrop of Kentucky, the Ohio River, the bridges, the whole oh, there's thing. There's no better backdrop. I mean, three bridges, you know, that's cool. Mm. You know, that's really cool. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 Julia and I, it's, music is something that we're passionate about. Hard work is something we're passionate about. We're not afraid of that. We have a great committee uh, with the Bony Fiddle Project and Final Fridays. I can go down now and basically just book the entertainment and, and oversee, and my committee knows exactly what to do. Mm. You know, they know know where to put the stage, how to put the stage. They know everything that that to do it the way that I want want it done, and the way that I've done it. Mm. And uh, you know, we have a great stage now. Uh, Scott Riser uh, took that 16 foot car trailer that Wagner Brothers donated to us, and that we used initially, and made a beautiful stage out of it. Uh, it stood the test of time. It's been used all over town multiple times uh, for for any nonprofit that wants to use it, uh, and it still is, is functional for our purposes. Uh, but we need a we need a, a a bigger stage. We need a state of the art stage. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're shooting for some point in the future. Well, hey Rob, I mean. Uh when we were at Shawnee State and first started getting involved with Bony Fiddles, Bony Fiddle, you were um, you were like very forefront about giving us opportunity as young people in the city, and uh, like myself and my brother, and like you said, Dominique and, and June, um, and myself along with other designers, other musicians, for the the young entrepreneurs listening. I guess what would your advice be to them to kind of kickstart their own project or get involved on what's currently going on? You know, how do they start to find their own success here? Like, uh, like you were able to put us on. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of young people wonder what they want to do. Mm. It doesn't matter what you want to do, do something. (laughs) Okay. Get out from in front of the, the games and everything else and do something. Uh, and then things will will uh, happen. Mm. Uh, I have people who come down and volunteer uh, with us on Final Friday who, who come in from Columbus who want to be able to go back and take that concept to Columbus mm. and do a similar thing there. That's ironic, wanna, isn't it? Want to take the Portsmouth concept back it, to Columbus. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I look now at Ironton. I work real closely with Ironton down there. and. and they're this just this uh, this Saturday uh, re- reinstituting music on the riverfront. Mm. It's, they haven't had it for years, but uh, but you know they've they've copied that from us. Mm. These other cities watch us. They do. They do. They see that we're like we're a cutting edge. We're on the forefront, mm. and we have been uh, deal. And, and they have the same issues and same problems. And so and that's a good thing. You know, you learn from other people. You learn from doing and. Any, uh, I look at Ronnie Williams with this, uh, you know, he had an idea. He wasn't an entrepreneur. He's an artist, mm. you know, 
and he's passionate about his art and he wants other people to be passionate about it too. Mm. And, and that just, what I love about that story, Rob, is it just did not stop him as like no one, no prior experience in anything like that from just finding out when the city council meeting is. Yeah. And yeah. just going well, where to is speak. it? Yeah. What do you do? What do they do? Right, right. Yeah. But uh, he didn't let that stop him. I mean, I'm sure he, he said initially he thought he was just going to go down there and start speaking and they were going to turn the mic off or something. But, yeah. But uh, they were, uh, to his surprise, not mine because we, we know the amazing people that are on city council now but uh, uh they were really receptive they were open-minded to his idea and yeah. edward martell you know helped him carry the football to to actually make it a reality here yeah, yeah. And it doesn't hurt that you've got charlotte gordon on there who's mm. an art and who's highly into art yeah you know and uh and so that's that's uh, yeah you've got a progressive council right now uh, I shout out to the council. I shout out to Sam Sutherland. Sam Sutherland has done a great job uh, under not easy circumstances, mm. and but he supported us. And, and I, I, if there's a need that he can fill or the city can fill, they do it. Yeah, you know the the city department, they're doing a great job. Uh, the city garage down there. Anytime you need something, they'll yes, come. You know, we'll help you. Whatever. There's a lot of factors right now that are, you know, that people are cooperating with, mm. and they're they're uh, networking. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. Well, Rob, you've been like definitely providing a platform for people to do that. So I I thank you for that, and I know our listeners uh, feel the same way. L- let me ask this: When uh, people come to a bony fiddle event, uh, what do you want them to to feel? What's your what's your ultimate goal? Okay. Um, the way we uh, kind of fashion the event is typically we'll put on like a solo or a duo act at 5.30. Mm. And I always stand there and watch, are people going to come? Well, sure enough, about 5.25, they'll start walking in with their chairs. And then we'll have our next act on, which is maybe more involved, more experienced act at 6.30, quarter to 7. And then our headliner will come on at 8. And so what you can expect is that throughout the course of the evening, there's a crescendo, okay? There's a buildup because it's, it's you know, you don't want to leave. Mm. You don't, and really, you want to come early. Yeah. You want to come early. Uh, because our early act this past month, uh, Joe Clark, was incredible. Mm. He's out of Henry County, Kentucky, and he's all original country stuff. And, uh, and, and uh, he was he was great uh, on a par with everyone else so uh, yeah, bring a chair we don't sell alcohol we we were family friendly i've never dealt with uh, you know people say why don't you sell alcohol you can make all kinds of money well you know we've never had a problem we've never had an issue we've never had the police have to come down and, mm. and stop a fight or settle an argument we've never had any issues in all of the concerts that we put on and if people want to come down and bring a cooler and keep alcohol on the down low, they're welcome to do that. You got Dora now. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, Dora's so a can, cool part of the city. Yeah, so you can go in and pay a dollar for a cup and a dollar for a wristband and, you know, walk around, carry beer, come to the concert, whatever. <coughs> I don't know if you knew this or not, but Middletown was one of the first Dora uh, participants in uh, – my cousin actually is the one who was responsible for getting all that done in Middletown. She owns a restaurant and a, two, two establishments in downtown Middletown. Mm. But, and they swear by it. But in order to be a, uh, a considered for Dora, you had to have a population of at least 33,000. Huh. And we didn't have it. So I, I investigated a couple of years ago about getting Dora here, and that kind of was like poo-pooed the whole thing. And so I didn't go any further with it. Well, thank God somebody was paying attention because they waived a lot of the guidelines during COVID, which put us at, what are we, 22,000? Mm-hmm. Which put us in position to be able to go ahead and get a Dora under these new guidelines. Wow. And then hopefully we'll be able to grandfather in. That won't change. So we'll be able to keep Dora. I didn't realize I was talking to Mary Martha Questell and, uh, the other day who's, who uh, – a wonderful citizen here in town, her and Bill. Um, she said that this town used to be over 50,000. Mm. Now imagine that. Imagine how many people have left Portsmouth 
for whatever reasons, for opportunity or for whatever reasons they've left, you know, we've lost three-fifths of our population. Mm. And what I'm seeing now, Connor, is I'm seeing people starting to trickle back, mm. people coming back, you know. Uh, not in droves, but you know they're seeing the positives, and they're 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 starting to come back. And uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to see us get up to at least thirty thousand in the next few years. Mm. You know, increase our population. I think we can do that. There's with this Route 52 corridor going in down there at Haver 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 Hill and Franklin Furnace and Ironton. You know, there's a lot of industry getting ready to go in down there and, mm. and uh, development. I, I think we're poised. Yeah, definitely. For an explosion. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And, and you um, and the other community leaders that you're working closely with, I mean, you all are all always trying to identify new opportunities like the, like the DORA uh, stipulations changing. I mean, yeah. just little things like that that have huge implications if we're just – aware if we're just looking uh for the next opportunity to to move portsmouth forward that's really all it is it's yeah. not uh it's not that it's you know i was in the hearing aid business for 40 years 40 mm. years when i first started in the hearing aid business i had a pandora bag in one hand an audiometer in the other hand and i would drive down to eastern kentucky with a handful of leads and knock door to door mm. I realized quickly that security comes from within. It doesn't come from without. Uh, a job at the steel mill is not security. A job at the shoe factory is not security. Security is you create your own security mm. and your own self-reliance. And, uh, and, and, and I, never, I never got a paycheck. I earned every paycheck on a straight commission basis. Mm. Now imagine that. I wouldn't do it today because of the opioids and, and the drugs and everything. But back then, going up a holler and knocking on a door. and Not so, for the faint and, of heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, apparently I had a knack for it because, uh, you know, I would, I would start at the head of the holler, and by the time I got to the end of the holler, they knew I was coming. Mm. You know, they would call and say, hey, look, this guy's coming up. Grandma got hearing aids. And you know Jethro can't hear squat, you know. And he's coming your way. We're sending him up there. And, it was, you know, I, I, I did that for years. Uh, That's a cool parallel, Rob, to where I think uh, Portsmouth, maybe what it came down to, or a huge part of it is uh, in our story we had written about ourselves. We, we were just, uh, we were victims. We were victims of the opioid crisis. We yeah. were uh, victims of circumstances like that's an easy one isn't it mm. being a victim is easy mm. you know right and it's easier to complain than it is to create yeah but okay. that attitude that you had rob just that uh you had in business and then in your retirement what you've done with uh bony fiddle you've completely changed the narrative yeah yeah it's it's been a cool thing i, I don't i'd like to say it was intentional you know and on some level it was mm. you know but then some th level, on some level, it was just the pr natural progression of what had to happen. Mm. You know, right. it was just you, you follow the road where it goes. Well, and so many of these things are just natural. Like, they're fundamental pieces of humanity that affect and build the culture around us. Like, it's yeah. not that we're la we weren't lacking funding. We're, we're lacking confidence. Like, it starts yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it's, we're yeah. lacking self-reliance. Um, and then those things uh, kind of generate opportunities. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Hey, plug a few things. What's coming up in the next few weeks, months, um, and where can people find you online? Oh yeah, cool. We've got a, we 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 scored a coup the other day, and I don't know whether or not by the time this goes this podcast goes out, whether or not this will, it probably won't be pertinent. But I'm going to go through with it anyway. We had two uh, two acts for our September 24th show: mm -hmm. Hot Sauce Moon out of Jupiter, Florida, and Parachute Brigade out of Beckley both great bands so I had a slot open and the other day uh, one of our bands that we just love we met at this porch unplugged uh, Holly and the guy Holly scored a four chair turn on the voice wow now imagine that and so I messaged her and I said Holly you know before your you know rocket ship takes off here okay uh, we want to have you back and so she's coming back. She'll be here on the 24th. Wow. Her and, her and Seth and uh, Holly and the guy. 
and they're going to do a show for us uh, in between Hot Sauce Moon and uh, Parachute Brigade. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. I that's mean, that's amazing. kind of the talent we've got. You know, that's the typical of the talent we've got. So she'll feature highly on The Voice's Watcher this season. Wow. She'll feature highly. She's a four-chair turn. Mm-hmm. That's huge. No, absolutely. I'm excited for that. And then uh, as far as uh, where people can see what you're doing online, where are you most active, Rob? Tell everybody. The listen. Facebook page. I, uh, we don't really maintain our website very well. Uh, we Most everything happens on Facebook. The stage will be at the – it'll spend three days at the St. Mary's International Festival uh, this month. Uh, it'll be at uh, Glocktoberfest on the 3rd. It's scheduled to be at the – Community center out at was it Twenty Third Street Community Center? Uh, there's a couple other bookings that I'm just on the top of my head and not, not sure about. We like to get the stage out for use. We want people to use it, especially if you're a nonprofit. I'm not really interested in somebody using it to make money. Mm. Okay, but if you're a nonprofit, it's a nice asset to have. It's a nice community asset. Right. So that's the way we see it. That's the way we look at it. So, well, hey, Rob, um, you know, you're certainly telling better stories, setting a new narrative, uh, things about self reliance and opportunity and what we really have in Portsmouth, which is just this, uh, this amazing history um, that we can leverage to make new things happen. So, thank you for what you're doing and for taking the time to share it with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Again, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. You do a great job. Thanks, Rob. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody.